Well, good morning, everyone. I was going to start off with He is Risen, but Jake stole my thunder. Uh, but you know what? It's not mine. Uh, the church has been saying this for years, and what a joy to get to gather today on a day where the church globally is celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, if you are a first-time guest, my name is Aaron, teaching pastor for Riverwood. We are really, really glad that you are here. Um, we as a church just have a belief that um, God wants to bless the world through us. He has blessed us through Christ, and so therefore, because we now know Christ, we are to be a blessing to the world. And so we've tried to figure out how can we get this into every aspect of our church. And we're, we're not doing it perfectly yet. But one area that we've, we've put this in is to honor our first-time guests. We realize that, especially a new church, especially, you know, we now finally have our own building. But, you know, we used to meet in rental facilities. We'd set up, tear down. It was scary for a first-time guest to, try, to come and give us a try. So we wanted to honor them and their willingness to come and, and be a part of this church. And the way we came up with was we donate $5 to Compassion International on behalf of all first-time guests. Compassion is an organization that has a goal of releasing children from poverty in Jesus's name. They work through local churches all throughout the world, and, and by doing so, they provide the kids with an education, with some food, with some clothing, but mostly they help kids understand who Jesus is. And, and the work that they're doing is not just changing the lives of children, but sometimes it changes the lives of entire families, and sometimes even entire communities. And so we would love to honor your presence with us by making a small $5 donation on your behalf. But that means you need to let us know that you're here. Uh, if you're in person with us, what we ask you to do is take one of those connection cards that are at the cluster of chairs and just put your name and your address on that. And when we're all done, we just ask that you drop it in the uh, box there at the back. If you're joining us online and you're a first-time guest, what we ask you to do is just send us an email. Just send that to riverwood at weareriverwood.org. Just put your name in there. Just say, hey, I joined you today on Easter Sunday, and we'd be honored to send that $5 on your behalf to make a small difference in the life of a child. Um, we've got several announcements. I'm not going to take the time today to, to go through those. What I just want to do is encourage you, take your phone or your computer and, and navigate to bit.ly slash notes rw. Uh, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash notes rw. Uh, you can go there and you can hear about upcoming baptisms, about child dedications. Uh, we're serving in a couple of weeks at the food pantry. Uh, each of those announcements just has a, an action step for how you can let us know that you're interested in it or you want to sign up for it. And there's also contact information at the very bottom of that digital handout. So just go ahead and navigate to that anytime during this worship gathering, and you can see our announcements for today. All right, if you brought a Bible, I'm going to invite you to open it up to John chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We're going to put the scripture on the screen. Uh, if you have a Bible on your phone, feel free to pull that out and use that. Our, our family uses digital Bibles all the time. If you don't have a Bible, either download one to your phone or just ask us, and we will give you a, a paper Bible. We'd love to just get one in your hands. Our, our goal here is to help you to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. And so we think that means that you need to get into the scriptures on a regular basis, that by getting into it, you begin to understand what it is, the kind of life Jesus calls you to live. And so we would love for you to have a Bible in your hands, not just so you can use it here on Sunday, but so you can use it on Monday and Tuesday and every day. Um, as you're turning to uh, uh, John, we, we, talked, we did this passage two nights ago on, on Good Friday. Uh, but what I told you on Good Friday was that we were going to look at the dark side of the coin. We, we were going to look at the, the side of the coin where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. We, we were with him in the palace seeing his back being ripped to sheds. We, we went to Calvary and we sat in Good Friday and realized that Jesus went to the cross for us because he loves us. The penalty of sin, the scriptures teaches, is death. But rather than make us pay our own penalty, Jesus paid 
made it for us as we just sang. But now today, we get to come to the other side of the coin. We, we, we're going to use the exact same passage and see that not only did Jesus say he was going to die, but also that he was going to rise again. And my hope and prayer is that today, when you leave or when you log off, you'll just be in awe of the power of God. When you hear that word power, what imagery comes to mind? Maybe electricity? Maybe a bodybuilder? So clearly you're thinking of me. Oh, you laugh. Oh, come on. Seriously. Uh, maybe uh, things like a, a tornado, uh, an earthquake. I learned this week that there was actually an earthquake on Easter Sunday 11 years ago. 2010, a 7.2 earthquake rocked northwest Mexico near the Baja Peninsula. They felt it all the way up in California, down throughout Mexico, and, and it shook so violently for a minute and a half, it actually shook the dust off the mountains. That's how tremendous it was. That was from uh, Mexico. I'm sorry I don't have a bigger, bigger picture. That was the best one I could find. That's how powerful this earthquake was. But one thing you might not know about the Richter scale is that to go from a 7.1 to a 7.2, say this, it isn't just like a little incremental value. Like if, if you'd asked me a few years ago, hey, what would it be to go from a 6.0 to a 7.0? Inside, I would have been thinking like, ah, oh, that's probably like double the energy. But then because of the way you're asking me, I'd probably think, no, that's, that's going to be like really low. Maybe it's like five times or 10 times. No, the way the work to scale works is to go from a 7.1 to a 7.2. That is a tenfold increase in energy. So when they tell you a 7.2 or a 7.3, it isn't just like, oh, it, it was just a little bit. No, like to go from point 0.1 to point 0.2 is 10 times the energy. That's how power works. It, it isn't just an on-off switch. It, you know, it isn't like, oh, that was really powerful earthquake, or no, it wasn't. Like power works in degrees, and we see that in electricity. We see that in tornadoes, earthquakes, but we also see it in humans. I, I was, was thinking of an a, uh, arm wrestler who dominates in his dorm in college, so he just thinks he's something. And so then he decides to enter into a, you know, a, a competitive arm wrestling competition and gets knocked out in the first round. Suddenly realizes he's not nearly as powerful as he thought he was. Or, or a woman who dominates at the PTO. She thinks she's the most powerful woman in the entire community. And then she meets a lady who runs a Fortune 500 company who's the CEO and suddenly this woman out of the community and the PTO she feels like a small fry like even among us humans there are these varying degrees of power today we get to see Jesus claim all sorts of power but he actually pulls it off and what we need to realize is that he has a power that can't be measured like it, it, it is off the charts it would break the Richter scale it's that great of power and not only does he have that kind of power in the physical realm, it also is on the spiritual realm. And that actually the resurrection of Jesus, it changed everything for the entire world. And so like I said, my hope and prayer is that today you will walk out with just a greater appreciation for his power. That if you're not a follower of Jesus, that today would help you realize, I need to give my life to this man and for those of you who do follow Jesus, you find yourself saying, I want to obey this man because I hope that you'll see that this kind of power, it, it, it calls for our uh, uh, admiration, it calls for our awe, and it calls for our loyalty. And when we give that kind of loyalty to God, it changes everything. And it gives us the kind of life that I believe all of us long for and desire. And so to see this kind of power, we come to John 10. 
on Friday night, we read just verses 17 and 18. Today, I want to do the entire passage. Now, I realize 18 verses, it's kind of long just to listen to one guy read. So I just ask you to, to hang in there because this is worth it. We're going to go back and, and pick several things out of it. So you need to listen in and get this. So let's join, join uh, uh, John 10, starting in verse 1, and let me read. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So Heavenly Father, we have now heard the reading of your word, and I pray now you would help these words to get into our hearts and our minds, that, that right now on this Easter Sunday, 2021, that it would not be about what I have prepared to say, want to say, feel called to say. Instead, it would be about what you need to say, what you have for us. God, I realize I am speaking to a wide variety of people. There are people who consider this their, their uh, church home. There are people who, who are visiting because they're, they're with family. There are some who are, who are curious about this church, wondering if this is where they belong. Uh, there, there are some who are skeptical. There are some who have been following you for a long time. There are some who are struggling right now, and they're having a lot of doubts. So God, I, I just sense that it is impossible for me as one person to speak to all those different people. But God, I believe you can. So I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would speak to the hearts and minds of the people, that it would go beyond what I say and it would get down to what you need to say and will say and will continue to say to your people. God, I pray that today some people would hear your voice and they would choose to follow you. I pray for those who kind of wandered away from you, that they would come back to you, their good shepherd that today would be spiritual birthdays, it would be a, a spiritual rededication, that today would be a day that changes everything. God, I ask you to do this for your glory. And I pray it in son, the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
Dan, would you do me a big favor? Would you grab my water bottle on the sound table? Um, I'm probably not going to be able to make it through all of this uh, without some sort of water. Uh, John chapter 10 starts off with Jesus talking about sheep and shepherds, gates and robbers. And as you see in verse 6, thank you so much, that leaves the people really, really confused. I mean, why is Jesus a carpenter, now turned rabbi, talking about sheep? All right, this just doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus, sensing their confusion, decides to kind of explain, hey, guys, I'm talking in metaphor, which, if you think about it, is actually really generous by Jesus at at this point. Normally, Jesus tells these parables, and he doesn't bother to explain it to everyone. Like, he he just teaches it, and the people are going, oh, wow, what's that mean? And and he just leaves it there. But in this case, he stops and says, all right, let me help you out. And so we see in verses 7 through 18, he begins to unfold several things. One is that he says, I am the good shepherd. And we hear him tell this whole thing about, because I'm the good shepherd, my sheep know my voice. I have a pastor friend named Tony. He, he pastors a church down in the Quad Cities. And uh, he told me years ago about a time when, as a kid, he would go and spend summers with his grandpa. Grandpa was a farmer, but one of the things he had in his operation were sheep. And, and he had some of the best sheep around. It seemed like every year he would take a couple of sheep to the fair. I'm, I'm assuming it was like the local county fair, but maybe it was the state fair. But he would, he would walk away almost every year with the grand prize. Well, one day, Tony says he's walking with the grandpa on the, on the grounds. All of a sudden, this big, fancy pickup truck pulls onto the, the property. And this guy steps out. And even though he's dressed like a farmer, you can tell this guy is made of money. Like, he just is exuding wealth. And grandpa says, hi, can I help you? And the man begins to explain, well, hey, I run this big farm operation. I, I've been wanting to get into sheep, but what I have right now, it's not going very well. And so I've talked to some people, and they say, you have the best sheep, so I'm here to best buy your best male and your best female. Well, Grandpa apparently kind of hemmed and hawed, like, ah, I don't know about that. And pretty soon, some figures, money was being thrown around. Finally, Grandpa gives in, and a huge check gets written and handed over. But then Tony told me that something really interesting happened. This guy who just bought these sheep goes to try to get them, and the sheep run from him. And and all it took was Grandpa saying, here, sheep. And they ran over to him, and then they would allow them to be put up into the pickup truck, into the bins that they had. Tony asked his Grandpa about it. Like, why did they come to you? He's like, well, because they've known known me since they were lambs. But in about two to three weeks, they'll know that this is their new shepherd. Jesus knows that there are all these voices in the world. And we have so many more voices than they did even back in their day. Like we have voices at work. We have voices at home. We have voices at school. We have voices on YouTube and in our songs and in our movies. I mean, there's all these voices trying to tell us which way to go. Just saying, hey, come over here. If you come into this sheep pen, you'll find happiness. Everything will be great. Oh, no, no, no. You got to come over to this one. This is where everything will be at. And Jesus warns us, says, all those other things, they're thieves and robbers. They're going to actually steal from your life. I came to give you life and give it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. And so he says, listen to my voice. Follow me. That's part of why every Sunday I I invite, you know, our first-time guests to download a Bible or get one. Because I I believe that as you get into this thing, you, you slowly start learning. What is it Jesus is calling me to? You begin to hear his voice. And you begin to understand then more and more what it looks like to love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. 
Jesus is saying, listen to my voice. But then he takes his metaphor even farther. He doesn't just say, I'm the good shepherd. He goes on to say, I am the gate. I am the door. Look at it down there in verse 9. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. When I read that verse this week, it made me think of John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Oh, I'm sorry, not verse 7, just 6. Uh, so he's saying, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the gate. You want to come to God? You want to come to heaven? You, you want to come to the kind of life that I think you want? Right here, it's me. Now, this causes some people to be offended. It, it, it sounds very, very exclusive. It sounds like Jesus is kind of keeping everybody out. But all you have to do is listen to what he said there in verse 16. He says, uh, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I, I suspect the large majority of you, in person and online, are not Jewish by race. Je Jesus was fully a Jewish man. And yet he's saying there, I did not come just for the Jews. Like this flock is for other people. But it's not just for white American Christians. It's not just for the black church. It's, it's not just for, you know, the Hispanic Catholics. Like this is for everyone, even Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists. It's just that you're not going to find your way to heaven through your religion. You're going to find your way to God through Jesus. That's why for 20, 30 years now, I've been hearing stories of Muslims who've been coming to understand the gospel because of a dream, where God has appeared to them in a dream. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, or I am Jesus. I'm the one you're looking for. And it often leaves them confused. They're kind of like verse 6, but then they meet a real-life Christian who explains the gospel to them, and they give their life over to Jesus. Now, that sounds kind of weird and crazy. Some of you are going, oh, I don't know if I believe that. You know what? I, I tend to be skeptical too. The problem is I, I know Amgad. That is exactly Amgad's story. Amgad grew up a, 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 a very nominal Muslim. He, there was this really cute girl at UNI. He kind of liked her, but she's like, I'm a Christian. I can't date you. You know, our, our faiths are just so different. And so they decided to study the Quran and the Bible together. And then one day Amgad had a dream. Jesus, and this isn't about competing religions. This is about Christ. He is the only way in. And we see it through the cross and the empty tomb. So that's why Jesus is saying, hey, I'm the way. The shoulder down into the arm. That's 98% of the cases. Luke was in the special 2%, where blood could get into the arm, but it wasn't getting back out. So when he, as a triathlete, was trying to go and swim, one day he's swimming along and he gets, touches the end of the wall and he looks at his arm and he says, it is like huge. You know, it was kind of impressive, you know, big bicep and everything. But he's looking at it going, okay, that's not normal. And he tells the guy next to him, hey, look at this. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be swimming. He waited a little bit, kind of went down, tried a couple more laps, did the exact same thing. What was happening was blood could get in, it couldn't get back out. So goes to the doctor, finds out thoracic outlet syndrome. They schedule him for surgery. And what you do is you go in and you actually remove a portion of rib. I actually got to see his souvenir. All right, it's about that big. You pull out this portion of rib and you make the hole big enough that everything can then flow. All right, so they do this surgery enough that, I, again, I don't call it routine, but usually there's no complications. So surgery was set for Monday. I, you know, just thought, okay, everything's going fine. I haven't heard anything. Thought Tuesday, I thought, you know, I'll just text Jenny, just see how things are going. Texted her, hey, how'd surgery go? And I find out that overnight Monday, uh, there'd been internal bleeding. 
like a lot. The overnight staff didn't catch it. Uh, the, the fear was that the blood would then coagulate and harden, and they were going to have to go in and surgery and, and remove all of that. It, it got really, really scary. And even Wednesday morning, as, as Ed, uh, Matt, and I were, were meeting, uh, we, we'd finished praying for the, for the church family, for the request you give us. We were moving on to some you know, business. As we're discussing, all of a sudden a text comes in from Jenny, and she's like, I know you guys are meeting right now, and I really need you to pray. It was getting serious. It was touch and go. I decided that I, I probably should go down to Iowa City and see them. So I rearranged some things. I, I get down there, and things began to turn. It, suddenly, Luke's coloring began to return. He, he, he started to get up. He actually went on a, a little walk. Like, things really began to turn around. And, and Jenny just was like, man, this was like the answer to prayer. And then suddenly, Thursday, she, she texts me and says, we're going home. Well, then on Friday, Luke sent me this text, and I have his permission to share it with you. Here's what he sent me Friday. Jenny and I finally got a chance to decompress and talk with each other this afternoon. We realized just how awesome our God is. We were both in tears talking to each other, realizing how much God worked in our own lives seamlessly through all the challenges. It is a journey that I really don't want to forget. I'm with him. It was a miracle. Because you see, I left out one key critical part of the story. Jenny went to the nurse and says, hey, I'm just curious, how much blood did Luke lose through all that internal bleeding? Nurse went back, calculated it up. <laughs> now, that, that can't be right. Thought she made a mistake. So she recalculated everything and got the exact same answer. Luke lost almost two gallons of blood. And the nurse looked at Ginny and said, he should be dead. Like, at a minimum, he should have been put in the ICU. He should have received 18 to 20 uh, pints of, of blood. He received zero. He did not go to the ICU, and he is home alive today. That is a miracle. And in those moments, we can look at that and go, wow, God is so awesome. God is so powerful. And he, God definitely deserves the credit as where uh, Luke and Jenny are giving all the credit to. But now let's get morbid for a second. Let's imagine that that blood loss did cause him to go into the ICU. Let's imagine the blood internally that caused that lung to collapse, it did coagulate. Let's say they had to go in for a second operation, totally open him up, try and clean all that up, and in the process, he dies. And he leaves behind an awesome wife, four incredible kids. We as a church family would be heartbroken. We would not be able to hold Luke's funeral here because he's such a blessing to so many people. We'd have to find another church, ask to borrow their space, because we'd fill that place, because so many people love Luke Anderson. And I know that as I stood up there doing his funeral, there would be people out in the pews crying, and inside they're shaking their fists going, God, why? He's only in his 30s. He hasn't got to see his kids grow up. Why did you allow this happen? Are you not powerful enough? That's what we do. We judge God's power based upon what he's done for us recently. But that's kind of like judging a baseball player based upon their last at bat. That's not fair. Like, the only way to judge a baseball player is to look at the entire season or to look at their entire career. But as you look at the career of God, you see all these things he's done, including Jesus, God the Son, claiming himself, I will willingly lay my life down and I will take it back up. And he pulls it off. So why do we live in doubt on the power of God? 
So we have, we have to stop judging him based upon what did he do for us yesterday and start looking at what has he done throughout history. Because that sometimes gives you the frame of reference to realize, I may not like how things are going right now, but maybe, just maybe, God has a better plan in place, and I can actually trust him to work in greater ways. So when he possesses that kind of power, I, I think there's only a couple of responses. First, if you are not a follower of Jesus, I believe your response is to give your life to him. It, it, Jesus died on a cross for your sin, but then he rose again from the dead. And now he, as the good shepherd, is saying, listen to my voice. Come into my sheep pen. Be my part of my flock. Let me shepherd you. Let me care for you. Stop listening to these other voices. Come in and let me be your one. Most people, when they realize the truth of this gospel, that this whole sto crazy story is actually true, they confess the, their sin in prayer. They, they give their life over to Jesus. And so I invite you to make today your spiritual birthday and give your life completely over to him. But I also realize that some of you listening to this, you would say, Aaron, I know this story. I know about Friday night, Jesus died on the cross. I know about Sunday morning, he rose from the dead. But if you're being really honest with yourself, you're not listening to his voice. You've made Jesus a side thing, not a central thing. You've, you've tried to act like, oh yeah, I can walk in and out of his pen, but I can go over to this pen. I can go over and do that. And Jesus saying, no, I want to be your shepherd. I want to care for you. Why would we treat someone with that kind of power so casually? Instead, it should demand our all. And so that's why for some of you today, it needs to be your spiritual rededication. Where you need to say, Jesus, I confess I know about you, I actually love you, but I've been treating you on the side. And today, I want to put you front and center in my life. Because I believe that as you put him front and center, it, it, you find yourself drawn to him. There's a part of the story when you see that kind of power, you, you think, I'm going to actually cower in fear. I'm going to be afraid of him. What we have to do is live with the tension of Friday and Sunday. Friday, we judge the love of God by the cross. Our sin was keeping us eternally separated from God, but Jesus went and paid it for us. So we know he loves us. But he didn't just die. He rose again from the dead, displaying a power like no one has ever displayed. That is why he can demand our loyalty. He can demand our all. He can demand everything from us because he's given it already to us. So come. Come to this one who displays a power unlike anyone else. On this Easter, come, give everything to him. Let him become the center of your life. Let him be what you are about. And may your life resonate with this idea that love rose up. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would move in the hearts and the minds of, of, of these people. God, again, I don't want this to be about me being passionate or trying to convince anyone. God, I want your Holy Spirit to be the one who moves in the hearts and minds of these people. So God, right now, as we prepare to sing, would you hear the prayers of your people? I pray for the person right now that has um, never given their life to you. And, and right now, God, would you hear their prayers? as they confess their sin, as they give their life to you, as they become part of your flock, as they allow Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. God, I pray for the person right now that has known the story. If they had been asked if they were a Christian, they would say yes, but they would realize they've not been listening to your voice. They, they've been more influenced by culture than by your gospel. 
And, and today, they're wanting that to change. And so, God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would empower that prayer. You would move them to follow you and to make you central in their life. God, I don't want this just to be a, a Sunday holiday celebration. I want this to be a change for the everyday. Lord, there is a world out there that is hurting deeply. They need you. And you've called us to go and to live like Jesus lived and love like Jesus loved. And so that's why I pray, God, that right now you deal deep in our hearts, that you would do this great work in us so you can then go and do that great work through us so that we might go and love them, that we might call them to your, your sheep pen, that we would let them see you as the good shepherd. But God, that will only happen as we completely surrender our lives to you. So God, would you use these next beautiful holy moments of song to call us to you, that we would let you be our leader and we would celebrate the kind of power that you have. But also, God, in all of this, help us to remember that the Easter story shows us that this life is not all there is. Because Jesus, you lived a full life, you went and died, and you rose again. And then you tell us, just as we heard in, in Romans, that the life that you lived, you now call us to live, that you have risen us from the spiritual dead. And, and so therefore, we will never spiritually die. Even if these bodies fade away, those whose name is in you, those who are part of your sheep pen, those who know you as their shepherd, they will get to live forever. God, may that give us hope. May that give us joy. May that give us a peace that surpasses understanding. Help us, therefore, God, to live with that eternal perspective. So God, right now, would you just deal in the hearts of your people, call them to you, and may this be an Easter that they always remember because you, Jesus, the very embodiment of love, you rose up, you raised yourself from the dead, and that is a power that deserves our allegiance. So in Jesus' name we pray, amen.